Welcome everyone to the second episode of Brilliant Podcast. My name is Kim, and today I'm talking about the second episode of Doctor Who Series 11, The Ghost Monument. I do want to give my general disclaimer again that this podcast will definitely contain spoilers as I'll be discussing the plot details from this episode. The Ghost Monument aired on Sunday, October 14th, 2018. Like the first episode, I wasn't able to catch this one live on TV, but I did watch it on bbcamerica.com. They did require a sign-in from a cable provider to watch this episode. So we start with the new title sequence, which I really enjoyed. It was very nice to look at and flowed pretty well. The action of the episode starts exactly where the woman who fell to Earth left off. The Doctor and friends are left floating in space, but are quickly picked up by passing spaceships. I guessed the TARDIS might be on board one, but I was incorrect. So Ryan and Graham are rescued on one ship by a woman named Angstrom. Graham is the voice of reason as he doesn't know where the Doctor and Yaz are and demands to go back and find them. They've been rescued by a man named Epso on his ship. Epso asks how a planet can be in the wrong place, which reminded me of the time Gallifrey reappeared. They find the out-of-place planet known as Desolation, and I guess the TARDIS was there. The Doctor points out that Epso's ship is in disrepair and out of date, but Epso defends its worth and reliability, which really reminded me of Han Solo defending the Millennium Falcon, despite all its flaws. They end up jettisoning the back of the ship to conserve power. Angstrom lands her cool-looking ship on the planet, and Graham and Ryan follow her, hoping the Doctor and Yaz are already there. This episode was shot in South Africa in the desert so as to provide a desolate landscape setting. Back in Epso's ship, the Doctor promises Yaz they won't die today. The Doctor says she's good at old school and helps fly the old school ship. Angstrom, Graham, and Ryan spot the ship falling through the atmosphere, and as it usually happens on screen, they run forward away from the crashing ship instead of off to the side, because that would have solved everything pretty easily. But that's how it always goes. Ryan trips, and Graham tries to help him up, but thankfully they don't get squashed by Epso's crashing ship. As I had hoped in the first episode, I'm glad they haven't already erased Ryan's dyspraxia. Later in the episode, He's faced with climbing some ladders again as well. They're all reunited, and the doctor says she's made a mistake, and they shouldn't be there. She'll get them home somehow, but in the meanwhile welcomes them to their first alien planet, warning them not to touch anything. Epso and Angstrom talk to each other about being the last two left and that they have bonuses. An alarm sounds, and everyone goes walking through the desert to a tent. To cover the plot hole of everyone being able to understand each other in space, since the Doctor's new friends haven't been in the TARDIS yet, it turns out when they were rescued and they were put in medical pods, they had implants placed in the back of their necks that act as universal translators. I didn't even think of this issue before they brought it up, but then again, we don't learn that Epso and Angstrom aren't human until after. They haven't even heard of Earth or humans before, but they do look very humanoid, but so does the Doctor. They all go inside the tent and talk to a man named Elon, who is being beamed in as a hologram from a very long way away. It is revealed that Epso and Angstrom are the final two contestants in a race, and the winner will receive a very large sum of money as their prize. The winner of the race gets the prize money and gets off the planet, but the loser has to stay behind. They just get left on the planet desolation. 
They must travel across this dangerous planet to the Ghost Monument. It's called that because it only appears sometimes, but always in the same place. Already we have the episode title. I knew from seeing spoilers on Instagram that the Ghost Monument is the TARDIS. The Doctor sees it in a hologram, but waits until Elin and the tent, which is also a hologram, are gone to tell everyone that it's her ship and they have to get to it. Elin had also warned them not to travel at night and not to touch or drink the water, but they have to travel by boat. So far, the Doctor is taking charge, no one's really questioning her, and her new friends are kind of just thrown into this world, unlike how the Doctor usually asks them if they want to go traveling in the TARDIS. We at least know where the TARDIS is at this point, but we still have to get to it. Ryan isn't sure that he believes that the Doctor can get them off the planet, but Yaz reasons that she did save Carl in the last episode, and Graham says following the Doctor is really their only option at this point. The Doctor scans the water and reveals it's filled with flesh-eating microbes all over the planet. I feel like this was a good setup, but we don't really interact with the water much later, and no one fell in it and died, but Desolation is a good name for the planet. While trying to get the boat powered up, Graham and Ryan talk a bit about Grace. Graham is more open to talking about her and coping with her being gone, and he thinks about what she would say in this situation. Ryan prefers to stay quiet and internalize his feelings, so he's upset that Graham can voice his. The doctor says the planet doesn't make sense because besides them and the microbes in the water, the planet has no other life, but there are ruins of old settlements. Everything kind of goes south when they enter the ruins. Angstrom and Epsa go in separate from each other, and the doctor and friends stick together. They're all faced with sniper robots, which activate after Epso shoots one, and he's hit as well. The doctor finds one disabled robot in the shooting range they walk into inside, and Ryan takes the gun from it, doesn't listen to the doctor about how guns are bad, she reasons that they never work. So Ryan goes outside and he shoots a bunch of them like he's in a video game, but they reactivate, so he has to go run back inside for cover and realizes the doctor was right. You know, of course she was. The Doctor, Graham, Yaz, and Ryan meet back up with Angstrom and Epso. She sonics their tracker, finds a hatch, and they all climb down it. It takes Ryan a bit longer, so Yaz waits for him at the bottom. The hatch leads to tunnels that will lead them to the TARDIS faster. The Doctor finds a big locked door which she sonics open, and it, it looks like a lab or an abandoned medical bay. I guess there was some type of zombie-like disease that happened to the planet's inhabitants because Elin warned them not to travel at night. Then the doctor reads some symbols written on the floor, which the others can't read because they don't have the TARDIS auto-translating, and yet they have those implants, so maybe they just work on audio. That part was a little bit weird. The only other time I can think of off the top of my head where the TARDIS doesn't auto-translate writing is when River carved Hello Sweetie on the side of a cliff at the beginning of time or something like that. The writing reveals that scientists were forced to create weapons and creatures to be used to kill people, and this is what destroyed the planet. The Stenza are the ones forcing them. Zim Shah was the Stenza. 
Graham says the Stenza are the reason his wife died, and Angstrom says they caused her wife to die too. The Stenza took over her home planet, and her family are all on the run or in hiding. So, my roommate was right when we watched the first episode. Maybe the Stenza are the enemy of the season. Epso gets attacked because he went off by himself to take a nap. The doctor tries to sonic, and Angstrom ends up cutting back what looks like sentient fabric strips or a shroud, attempting to smother Epso. Then, everyone has to get out because the sniper bots have shut down the oxygen in the tunnels. Their only option is to climb another ladder outside, up into the middle of acetylene fields. Ryan hesitates again, and the doctor gives him a little pep talk and tells him to think about facts about acetylene while he climbs. They get outside and they can breathe fine, but it just smells like garlic. The sentient fabric, one of the weapons the scientists created, is there, and it grabs onto the doctor, entering her thoughts. It mentions the timeless child, which I assumed it meant the doctor, but now I think that might refer to something else. Because the doctor didn't seem to know exactly what that meant. She could just be hiding it, though. Meanwhile, everyone's been digging into the ground with their feet, and they lay down below the gas. The doctor takes Epso's cigar he's been saving and talking about the whole episode for when he wins the race. She throws it, snaps to light it, and the acetylene gas ignites, which destroys the fabric. They make it to the finish line in the morning, but the TARDIS isn't there, which the doctor is really upset about. Angstrom and Epso pass the finish line into another tent hologram at the same time and force Elon to accept them both as the winner of the race. They're teleported off the planet, leaving Yaz, Graham, Ryan, and the doctor. She's visibly upset and really seems like she's going to give up. She's she's very disappointed that she had to break her promise to her new friends to get them off the planet. But they assure her it'll be okay, and then we hear faint TARDIS noises in the background. The TARDIS tries to materialize, and the doctor uses the sonic screwdriver to help get it. She says, come to daddy, I mean mommy, and it materializes. My beautiful ghost monument, she says. She's so relieved to see the TARDIS. So relieved. And it's changed itself since we last saw it. In the lighting in this episode, the outside looks a bit more teal than before. The Doctor welcomes everyone into the TARDIS, expecting the inside to still be a mess. But it's redecorated itself. It's very different than any of the recent versions, but it's beautiful. There are these huge yellow crystal arches everywhere that match the rotating part of the new sonic screwdriver, and the console itself is on a slightly raised platform with circular gallifreyan around the bottom edge this time. The entryway looks like the inside of the police box shell by itself before it opens up into the rest of the TARDIS, as opposed to just being like the door and then the TARDIS. It's pretty cool, actually. There's even a dispenser for custard cream cookies. I happened to have seen that detail on Instagram before I saw the episode, but while I was at Epcot in Walt Disney World, so I saw this when I was in the UK pavilion, so I went into one of the shops and I bought some. I hadn't tried them before, but they were really good. Um, I went to Target a few days later to pick up some groceries, and I bought more custard creams and jammy dodgers and jelly babies. You know, just get all the Doctor Who snacks. 
You won't find these in every Target store, though. A lot of the grocery stores in Orlando are going to have international foods, because there's so many people that work at the theme parks and so many people visiting from out of the country that they're going to have more British foods. Anyway, back to the episode. We end with a shot outside of the TARDIS dematerializing. So the doctor fulfilled her promise of getting everybody home. When the end titles ran, I found I could read the font a little bit better than in the first episode, but maybe that was just me. Overall, this episode was decent, but not as strong as the first episode was. I feel like it would have fit better into the middle of a season than where it did. We always see new companions introduced to their first alien planet by being invited by the Doctor to go traveling in the TARDIS, but this time they didn't have a choice, and they haven't even seen the TARDIS yet. I wonder if seeing the TARDIS after being on the alien planet was a bit of a letdown for them. I'm sure it wasn't, but it wasn't in the same order as usual. Plus, this wasn't really a story about the Doctor or about the companions. They were thrown into the middle of a race, which made Angstrom and Epso a bit more of the focus. They also set up the plot point of Deadly Water, and nothing happened with that. Plus, they didn't really explain to us what the killer sentient fabric was composed of. I would have expected the Doctor to scan it and find out it was composed of organic material and was made of like former people or something. But overall, we had a decent episode. So thanks for listening. Episode 3 will be coming very soon. Please subscribe to the podcast at soundcloud.com slash brilliant podcast. I also just set it up on Anchor Podcasts as well, so you can listen at anchor.fm slash brilliant dash podcast. Follow me on Twitter at brilliantpcast. Follow on Facebook and Instagram at brilliantpodcast and brilliantpodcast.tumblr.com. And finally, you can email me at brilliantpodcast at gmail.com.